A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Piki mai kake mai, and welcome. I'm Alison Balance, and this hour changing world podcast from RNZ is all about robots. The word robot, which means forced labour, was first used nearly a century ago in a Czech play. The first autonomous robots were built just after the Second World War. But while industrial robots are now commonplace in factories, they haven't made much of an impact in our everyday lives. That's despite experts promising that the robot revolution is just around the corner. Of course, they've been promising that for a while now. But in the meantime, robots make for great entertainment, and they certainly drew the crowds at the International Science Festival in Dunedin over the last couple of weeks. I went along to check out a couple of robotic events, and first up was a very engaging encounter with a little robot and its human minders visiting from China. Hi, my name is Kai. And Kai, can you introduce me to this little robot on the table? This robot is a humanoid robot. It's an open platform. Which means that it's totally programmable. So the students, the kids, the researchers, they can use their imaginations to、uh, program the robot to do whatever they want to do. So the robot's called Now. Yeah. N A O. Yes. And if I'm going to interact with it, what kind of things can Now do?、Uh, now actually can dance, can talk. Hello. Hello, Alison. What do you like doing now? I like listening to the radio. What's your favourite radio program? I'm sure it's having difficulty with my accent.、Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you had to try to speak U.S. English. What's your favourite program? The opposite of what isn't your favourite program. <laughs> That was my best American accent. <laughs> What's your favourite program? I like our changing world on RNZ. That is a perfect answer. Thank you. <laughs> Now may be programmed to understand American rather than Kiwi accents, but in most respects, it has a very international pedigree. Hi, Alison. I'm Alex Chen. I'm, I'm traveling from Shanghai, China. I'm from SoftBank Robotics. Can you tell me a little bit about the company and what it does? Yeah,、uh, SoftBank Robotics actually、uh, originally were from France, Europe, and we have launched two robots. First is the Now robot, eight centimeters tall, and、uh, in 2015 we have launched the Pepper robot in Japan. It's a、uh, human-sized、uh, service robot.、Uh, so this might be a robot that I have in my house. Um, that might keep me company. That might do basic things for me.、Uh, I think what you mean is you expect to have a human-shaped robot. Can help you cooking, make a coffee, maybe do the cleaning the house, something like that. But we're not there yet. So until today,、uh, they can be companion to other people live alone. Can help them to send and read emails and read news, you know, and、uh, checking information like、uh, restaurants, like、uh, grocery, like、uh, where, where, where to buy grocery, something like that. Yeah, even make、uh, video calls with your pa-、uh, family. And uh, uh, we also have a prototype robot called Romeo. It's a very advanced、uh, service robot. It can take care that all the people live alone. For example, leave the 
uh, people from the floor, uh, provided some basic medical treatment, but still it's not yet to launch yet. Uh, the cost is very high, and also we still have some um, technology problems to, to solve. Yeah. So these robots are programmed. That must be the key to it, what you can program it to do. Uh, yes. For our robots, they're just platform. So how you want uh, to use it, how, how you want the robots can do, it depends on your imagination. So it depends on how creative you are. So you basically can program them to do everything. Yeah. The key point is empathy. Like in, in France, uh, uh, we, have, we have launched a paper robot with Carrefour, the supermarket. So if you want to grab some, for example, some T-shirt and you don't know where to get, so just ask robots. The robots will show you how to get it. So for this kind of information, um, I mean, companies can also provide a screen, like an iPad, right? But the difference is... Um, when you see a human-shaped robot, when you see that eyes, you feel empathy, you feel connected. That's the difference. It's like a part of our life. No, it's very different, yeah. So Peppa isn't going to be a member of my household for a while yet. But in the meantime, I've got now to entertain me. It's going to do the chicken dance for me. Hmm? Hmm, I got it. It's wriggling its fingers. <laughs> and bending its knees and clapping its hands. Yes, actually, actually now has his own personality. He can make his own decisions. We can uh, train the now robots, the uh, machine learning, to let, let robots to keep learning new, new things. I have to say, taste and music aside, now's dancing is very good. I can imagine children really like interacting with now. Yes, indeed. And the kids are really love to um, interact, to speak, to touch the robots. And they also want to learn how to um, uh, control the robots, how to uh, learn the science behind the robots. Now is rather talented in a number of areas. Sports, for instance. This robot is a standard platform for the Rob Cup competition for soccer game. So every year, 28 universities from 18 countries attend this competition. So the purpose to have this competition is in 2045, the robotic soccer team will beat human soccer team. But now you can see um, it's still slow and uh, not not as fast as human. But uh, the potential is huge, you know, and they can keep on evolving. I'm imagining playing soccer is reasonably tricky in that you've got to still keep it stable while it's kicking like kicking yeah. with one leg yeah, and also you have to uh, make a robot to try to keep on chasing the balls by the camera you know so it's got a camera in the middle of its forehead actually yeah the two eyes you're looking at are not, not really eyes for robot they are two infrared sensors it's a human robot so you know for human we have many sensors like for example we can see with our eyes we can listen with our ears we can smell with our nose we can taste the things with our mouth and also we can feel your touch so right now for our robots um, they can see with camera it can listen um, by microphones, listen your voice, and try to understand you. It can speak with the loudspeakers. It can also feel the touch. You know, we also have some touch sensors on the head, on the hand. So when you touch it, it can give you a response. So yeah, pretty much we try to make a robots just like a, how human works. You know, yeah. Now I'm told that it mm. does Tai Chi as well. Yeah, of course. Tai Chi dance. Can I impress you with a relaxing dance? Yes. You can try and reproduce my movements if you want. I hope it will impress you. Mm. I've got it. 
Nell's toppled over. Oh, what am I doing on the floor? Oh. Now it's trying to get up. I can't get up. Bad luck. Stay calm and keep trying later. It was doing quite well in its Tai Chi routine. It's just fallen over. Oh, yeah. Can it get itself up again? Yes, of course, yeah. But the relic has some mortal problem. We've been giving it a hard time here mm. in New Zealand, have we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because... Uh, because Basically, we, every day we just demonstrate uh, and, uh, to the kids you know, from morning to the after, late afternoon. So that's why I've been working too hard for him, for this little cute robot. The kids of Dunedin are certainly enthusiastic about robots, as I discover at an international science festival event in which kids are given the opportunity to make their own bristle bot. Bristle bots are simple walking robots that look uncannily like little bugs. They're powered by a small vibrate motor, just like the one you've got in your mobile phone. And the other key ingredient is a toothbrush. I'm Joshua and this is Isaac. Hi Isaac. Hi. So you've just been handed a toothbrush. What are you going to do with your toothbrush? Well, presumably not brush my teeth. (laughs) I'm going to be making a a little bristle bot with it. Should be able to run around. So you've got the motor part there, now you've got your toothbrush. Put it into hot water and then um, to loosen the bristles and then put it into cold water so you're going to set the bristles in the correct place. Oh, so you've got to set your direction. Right, or else we'll just bump up and down in the same place. You're waiting in line to build one of these, are you? Yep. So what stage are you up to? Putting on a toothbrush head. You're going to blue tack that onto the top of that. The kids are having a ball of a time as their bristle bots bustle somewhat randomly around but it turns out there is a serious side to all this robotics fun. So I'm Mike Paulin. I'm a, a neuroscientist at the University of Otago. I'm Malcolm McIver. I'm a neurobiologist and engineer at the Northwestern University in, uh, near Chicago. Now, so this robotic chaos that's going on here, is this your fault, Mike? <laughs> I, I guess it is, yeah. I started making these little robots for fun a few years ago, and then now we do it as a, as a fun thing for kids. What are those little robots inspired by? Are they inspired by anything in particular? Well, I think of them as models of, of simple animals, um, little animals without brains, so we can use to study how brains evolved. So you go back 500 million years... When animals first started moving, they didn't have any brains, and they used to move around on the ocean floor on bristles, and so these little toothbrush robots move in the same way that ancient animals used to move before they had brains. So I'm really interested in you know, what happened 500 million years ago that they evolved brains, that they started to develop brains and eventually turned into us. What is it about robots that is exciting at the moment. I mean, obviously these kids are really excited, but in the broader field of robotics, what's, what's, what's going on? And what's uh, exciting? A lot of different things. One of the things is getting uh, robots to have more sensory intelligence. So, you know, you get up in the middle of the night and you have no problem getting around the house in the darkness and with lots of ambiguity in the signals. And uh, Robots have a hard time unless you have a very carefully controlled environment, but that's changing. So we're learning how to teach robots to deal with uncertainty in their, in their sensory environment, how to interpret signals despite lots of noise and lots of ambiguity. So that's one area that's very exciting. Another area that's 
getting a lot of people's attention is autonomy. So autonomous cars, autonomous air taxis here in New Zealand. Uh, so the technology behind that is it's all about processing your environment and predicting what's going to be happening in the future so that you don't have a robot, say, running into a bicyclist. So that's another area that's very exciting right now in, in robotics. So how does your work with, with say, insects and spiders and animal brains, for instance, feed into how robots are developing? So we, we use simple animals as model systems. So we know, for example, an ant is, you know, ants don't bump into things. Ants are smarter than the smartest robots we have these days. So we're interested. We know there must be a way of making really, really simple, low-powered robots that are really, really smart. And so we look at the animals and how they're put together and try and figure out are there really efficient, really simple ways that we can make intelligent robots. So that's the kind of thing we have going over here, the little simple computer chips on these robots, driving them around, using really simple techniques to figure out what's happening around them and steer themselves through the environment. So I saw one girl working with a robot that was responding to light. Yes. Yeah, so that's the, that's the simplest one, where we just hook up a little light sensor to, to a, a little vibrating motor, and that just puts a little more energy on one side of the robot and pushes it in the other direction. So it just shows how, you know, if you go back in evolution, animals can learn how to connect up different sensors to different muscles and develop complicated behaviours that do interesting things. And one of the things you see actually emerging here is actually representative of a, a, another exciting, uh, fairly new area of robotics, which is swarm robotics. So uh, people are putting their bristle bot robots down on this big board and they're interacting and they're forming little patterns and such. And this is actually a really intense area of inquiry right now amongst roboticists is how do you get swarms of independent robots working together toward a collective goal, much like termites making a mound or cooperative hunting in, in whales, that sort of thing. And, and so this is kind of, it's interesting to see this spontaneously emerge over here on the left. Mm -hmm. At one end of the table you've got the simple little robots with no brains, and at this end of the table you've got slightly more complicated robots with little brains, and I'm interested in that transition and evolution, you know, how did the very first brains evolve and why did they evolve and how do they work? I'm very like Malcolm in, in that I'm really interested in brains and really interested in robots, but I don't have any money like he has, right? So I have to, I have to, find, I have to build really simple robots and see if I can get the robots to figure out how to build their own brains. You know, the kind of robotics we're doing is, is very similar, both bio-inspired, both, you know, we, we think a lot about robotics as a tool for humans to, to use, driving cars, whatnot, folding our laundry, hopefully, at some point in the future, who knows how long from now. But uh, the way both Mike and myself use robots is, is more like how one would approach a microscope. It's a tool for inquiry. It's a, it's a way to get insight into nature. We, we use them to build our knowledge uh, we have of animals into the machine, and then the machine teaches us what the next problem we should look at in animals. Uh, it's, it's kind of a synergistic back-and-forth relationship. So they're really research tools in addition to something that may eventually be quite useful around the household. And, and we... Um, look at insects. So if you look at ants on the bench, the ants will come out and eat the food off your bench, clean your bench for you, and then they run away and hide when you come. Well, that tells us that it's possible to make a little robot that could come out and clean your bench and run away and hide when you're not around. And it must be possible for those robots to power themselves from the stuff they clean off your bench. So instead of having some big robot 
you know, wearing an apron and, and <laughs> slippers that comes in and cleans your bench and creates all kind of rubbish and throws it out. You have tiny little robots that hide down the cracks behind the bench and they come out and they clean your bench and they live off the stuff they clean off your bench and you never see them because they run away and hide. So in the future, I think, we'll have little armies of little robot insects that will clean your house and they will just take care of themselves. Well, apart from cleaning benches, what else do you see swarms of robots doing? Oh, all kinds of things. One of the things we're interested in getting them to do is um, inspection of uh, coral reefs that are under stress and inspection of sunken ships and uh, structures that uh, need to be inspected periodically that you could have swarms of these robots go around and do inspection from multiple points and and look at whether a structure is, is in stress and needs to be repaired, for example, or a coral reef needs to be taken care of due to bleaching, for example. So each little one could collect a bit of information, exactly. come back and feed it exactly. into a mothership. Right. I mean, currently what's, what's done is you send a single diver out, and what you really need is, like, hundreds, mm-hmm. but nobody can afford that. So we're drastically, in the case of coral reefs, undersampling what is going on. And so we have a very incomplete picture just because it's so expensive to send human divers out. So if we could have swarms of uh, less expensive robots going around collecting data, this would be immensely useful. So that's, that's one of the research fronts. And you get lots more information because these robots can spread out over large areas and all be collecting little bits of information. They all send that information back to some central computer to be analyzed. So we get a lot of work done for, for not very much effort. So we're right on the cusp of an exciting robotic future, do you reckon? Yes, um, probably in five or ten years, our life will be changed a lot due to service robots. If you look back in the past ten years, how smartphones change our life, probably yeah, this will be the same, how service robots will change our life in the near future. Robots is uh, not just a tool, it's our companion. So maybe in one day, we can make uh, friends with robots. You are my friend. I think about the best way of being useful. Jolly good. Bye for now. I don't have anything to say about that. (laughs) Goodbye. Goodbye. Thanks, Nell. And a big thanks to Kai Fung and Alex Chun from SoftBank Robotics. Thanks, too, to bio-inspired robotics experts Mike Paulin from the University of Otago and Malcolm McIver from Northwestern University in the United States. They were all in Dunedin for the International Science Festival. And if you head to our webpage, rnz.co.nz slash Our Changing World, you'll find a short video of the Bristlebots, as well as Now's Tai Chi routine, complete with falling over. I'm Alison Balance, and this Our Changing World podcast first aired on RNZ National on the 19th of July, 2018. Our webpage is rnz.co.nz slash Our Changing World. It contains a vast repository of audio, photos and useful links. You can sign up for our weekly email newsletter there too. You can listen to us on the RNZ app and subscribe to us as a podcast in all the usual places, including Spotify, Stitcher, Radio Public and Apple Podcasts on iTunes. RNZ's new show, The Podcast Hour, in which Richard Scott searches out some of the world's best podcasts and chats to the makers, is now up and running. Check it out. We are, as always, RNZ Science on both Twitter and Facebook. Thanks for your company. Bye for now. Mori ora.